0: Welcome to Childhood Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Welcome back to Conversations with Kate and Carrie, and we are so glad to have you join us today. We have a guest, and we are very excited to have Carly join us. And Carly is literally joining us as a mom who has literally, and I mean literally, not just figuratively, grown up in the program that she is now the director of. And from what I understand, Carly, your program has not only Um, grown, but it is now grown and expanded, and so we will touch on that just a little bit towards the end of today's episode, but I'm excited because we're going to take a look at math, science, and STEM, but we're going to look at it from a couple of different perspectives today. We're going to look at why not worksheets. In other words, we are going to talk a lot about hands-on math and science, Um, but I'd love for you to kind of talk to us about it from Your perspective, specifically right now, as your director hat, uh, because a lot of the folks who listen to our podcast are directors. So, um, when we're talking today, think about it as I'm a director. How do I get out? How do I get my teachers out of the worksheet? You know, I don't want the worksheets. I don't really like them. I totally understand why we don't really want them. But, how do I get my teachers to make that flip? And then, Um, At the end, we'll sneak in a little bit of that whole, um, the growing pains of growth and um, how and why and maybe a little insight as to uh, (laughs) if you could do it all over again, what you wish somebody had told you. So on that, Carly, give us a little bit of, of your background and how you became so passionate about no worksheets in the classroom. So uh, Well, thank you, Kate. I, um, I guess I have been playing school since I was four.
1: Um, my mom has photos of me with my little sister shoved in her my doll high chair and my kindergarten workbooks out in front of her trying to get her <laughs> to do school. Um, and so I feel like It's always been a calling to work with kids. Uh, I I really enjoy it. I love teaching. Uh, I started teaching in the classroom in 2001, 2002 um, in Keller ISD. And I taught fourth grade for many, many years there. And then I left in 2006 and worked at a wildlife refuge. That's a different podcast. And (laughs) then I came back to the classroom in 2008 uh, in Eames ISD and was there through 2013. Um, All the while, still had my toes in the education um, pool, if you will. I worked for the Region 13 uh, Service Center as one of their GT, and they called us a contractor, but we were in charge of the GT 30 hours training for the state, and so I was very passionate, and still am very passionate, about gifted and talented population, and um, making sure that all children's needs are served. And then, um, when my son came here, uh, when he was four, I was that annoying parent that was like, let me do story time. And can I help you with anything? And, nah, 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 nah. and I think that's partly because I had such wonderful parents in my classroom when I was a teacher that I wanted to reciprocate that and do that for my son's teachers. And then it just slowly started organically. Um, helping them come up with ideas, or they were like, I have all these great ideas, but I just don't have the time, right? Teachers never have the time, um, to get these things done. Do you have ideas? Can you help me with this? Can you supply these things? And it just sort of took off from there, if you will. And and then I started teaching here and, and then surprise now I'm the director. Um, watch out because if we find out you have an educational background, (laughs) we will loop you in. Um, I mean, I have a love affair with region 13. When
2: I was an early teacher in early childhood, none of us had die cut machines, but region 13 had so many die cut machines and laminators and I would spend hours and hours and hours at region 13 punching out everything for file folder games and for Mm -hmm. pre-math games and pre-reading activities and bulletin boards. I made so many books at Region 13. It's not even funny. And then they started having trainings that involved early childhood because originally it was just K through 12. And then they started adding some of the early childhood classes. And I did project learning tree and project flying wild and stuff out at region 13 so i love region 13
1: <laughs> it's a super
0: wonderful resource shameless plug um okay. but we, i'm like okay y'all we don't have time for this now <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but i as far as like your question about you know the hands-on and the worksheets and the science and things um i really feel like and i you know it's not my quote but when they can get it on their hands they can get it in their head and um, when you create a space for children where they feel safe and um, they feel like it's their school, the name of our school is My Time. Um, and so that is their space, this is their place to learn. Um, that then the, na- the learning just comes naturally. And so if you can provide them as many opportunities as possible to do it with their hands, to see it, to touch it, to explore it, that's how children learn, anyways, to play. Um, then science just lends itself to that. Math just lends itself to that. And when I taught in Keller, uh, we did a whole training around, I'm cheating off a note right here, so I don't quote it wrong. Um, (laughs) We did a whole training around worksheets don't grow dendrites. It's an actual um, book. And the whole philosophy behind that is worksheets don't grow brain cells. And I sort of turned it into worksheets kill brain cells. Um, That was the new title I gave the book. And from then on, um, I've just been something I've been super passionate about. And how can you take something that looks like a worksheet and turn it into, how can I make this a hands-on activity? Um, how can I make this more fun? And for me too, nobody wants to grade all that mess when you're in elementary school and such, but in, in preschool, um, how can you make
0: it safe? How can you make it fun? And how can you make it interactive? And that's sort of our goal. Great. Well, we? Start with something simple. Why don't you give us an example of an activity that maybe you've done that with um, and an age group? So I don't know, you want to start with um, maybe threes? Um, so with, our, with our threes, well, so our school is threes, fours,
1: um and then those kiddos who missed that kindergarten pet off. Okay. Um, and we sort of don't necessarily say, oh, we can only do this with this age group, we can only do this without age okay. group. Um, but all the things that you see like the volcanoes and all that kind of stuff that everybody does that they love to do. Um, but one of the things this week is Arctic and polar is our theme. And so, uh, one of those three's classes has actually done, um, they're using their literacy to tie in all of their STEM. So they've been reading all these different books about snowmen, the snowmen at night and the sneezy snowmen and all those kinds of things. And then they actually did the whole deal where you freeze balloons of water and they built a snowman using the salt to kind of melt it a little bit. And um, it makes the ice balls that come out of the balloons stick Mm -hmm. together a little bit. And then they set it up in their classroom and they're slowly watching it over time melt um and so it's an observational science experiment but they were involved in putting it together and in setting it up with we fill up the water balloons and what do you think is going to happen and lots of predictions that can be made and we're going to put it in the freezer and we'll check it after recess and they want to check it after recess and um then the next day they come in and it's all frozen and why would that happen and so having some really great conversations around those um, kinds of activities. And then when they set it up in their classroom and they said it, how many minutes do you think we should see until we check him again and see if he's melted and giving that, putting it back on them oh, we checked in one minute. We really didn't see very much. Now what should we try? Oh, five minutes, you know, cause that's a really long time to preschool. And so they check again in five minutes and oh man, we are just not, I mean, he's starting to melt, but I, how much longer should we make? And somebody was like all day. So they've sort of maybe backed it up and, and thought more about the incremental pieces of time versus one minute and five minutes. Um, and then slowly made observations. Some of them are already geeked out and wanting to write those things in their journals and they bust out a journal or they're doing it on their marker boards or they're wanting to use the scratch paper at the writing station and they're drawing what they see and these little face is stud because he's melting um so so many different aspects come into that just one activity with the writing and the observations and the literacy and tying in the stories and when the snowman is melting in the story oh, just like our snowman in our classroom just those cross-curricular connections too so um That's just kind of one of the ones that they've been doing around here this week. Um, The other one is the, I call it the Crisco mitt, where you make the um, mitt full of Crisco and then submerge their hands and let them try and play with it. They submerge it in ice water and they see that their hand isn't as cold as the one when they put their regular hand that's not covered um, and so they're having lots of conversations about how does that work. And then when you're seeing them in dramatic play and they have the polar bear, they're talking about how the polar bear can get into the water because he has the blubber because he has the fur um, and that, you know, a different animal that doesn't live in that region might you know, not have. And so making it experiential for them too. Um, so many children covered in Crisco today alone um, because <laughs> of the way to play and manipulate those mitts. Um, and that's kind of the messy side of science too. And I think that's sort of why sometimes people shy away from it because it's going to make a mess. Um, yeah, but their hands are going to be so soft. Yes. And so their <laughs> hair and everything will be so well conditioned and I'm sure it'll yeah, be, like, it's it's gonna go be amazing. And, and then they can work on their hand washing technique. Yes.
2: You know, yeah Mm -hmm. i'm a silver lining finder in everything (laughs) there you go so i think i mean that really i think is a great example for people who are like i don't know what you mean by hands-on science in early childhood like i can't go get a polar bear but i can i can do this worksheet where i show them how to cut out the polar bear And so you're showing a way where you can do it hands-on with something
1: they probably have in the kitchen. Right. And we also too, I think um, it's really easy to get on Pinterest and, you know, just start searching preschool science activities and everything comes these days with the packet that they want you to buy and print all the things and laminate all the things. And one of the things I've told our teachers too, you know, let's think about our footprint here and our greenness as a school and how can we reduce those materials and do you necessarily need letter cards that have polar bears on them during polar week um but then if you back up and look at the science what is it really trying you know peel away all the cute clip art, peel away all the fun packet things that the that they're wanting you to purchase and really look at what is that science concept and how can you do it hands-on and nine times out of ten um once that kind of starts man these teachers here we have a phenomenal staff, but they just take it and run with it. And you would, I mean, there's all kinds of things and sharing across the thing, you know, across the building. Um, and sometimes our fours and fives teachers will share that down with our two and a half, two threes teachers. And it's like, Oh, you probably should not do that with two-year-olds, but then you can see the wheels turning and they, they come up with, well, you could do it this way, or maybe change it like that. Or, um, the conversations
0: that are coming between the staff as well. Um, okay, so great. So, can you think, Carly, can you think of an example of something that's happened that way? Because I'd love to be able to share with one of our directors or with any of our directors a real example of something that maybe a four or five's classroom, through the conversation with the teachers, they were able to come up with something that ended up working for their twos. Or again, something. Um, I loved your example of the polar bear clip art turning into what was the science and it ended up being the Crisco hands. So is there something that you can think of? It doesn't have to obviously be polar bears or even the, no, even that same one with the polar bear, we call it the polar bear
1: mitt um, or the Crisco mitt. Um, with that one up here, I'm sitting currently in a four or fives class. Um, but Up here in the four or fives classes, they may have made several of those. And it's more of a station where the children, the teachers explained it and given them sort of the boundaries and the expectations. And then the children can freely explore that. Whereas in the twos classes, they're like, man, I would love to do that. But a Crisco Ziploc bag full of Crisco is a sad choice to leave alone with twos and threes. So at that point, that's where the teacher has decided maybe this needs to be more teacher directed with the children still investigating. Maybe they're doing it in a small group um, and the teacher is there to be able to um, you know talk them through it and watch them and monitor them where it's more so just left as a free choice, maybe um, activity in the science okay. center for the fours and fives. But then also looking at it, the kinds of questions that you're going to ask, you know, and the fours and fives, they already know cold and hot. <laughs> um, the twos do know cold and hot, but putting the vocabulary word to it and, and talking about when it's cold, what kind of clothes do we wear? Um, and when it's hot, what kind of clothes? Do you, taking the questioning in a different uh, direction based on what's in, where your children are, I guess, is, is what they've been
0: doing. Okay, and so when you helped with that, was that were you, were you helping with that as a curriculum role, or were those things that you were helping as the director role? So, as a director, how did you help bring some of this to reality, or was this still when you were in that curriculum role? Um, so that it kind, I wear many hats. Um, as a I know other duties as, a All other duties. <laughs> um,
1: but we did a staff training, um, at the beginning of the year and we went ahead and I had the teachers code their lesson plans. I said, just bring your lesson plans, um, your favorite ones, because I learned through region 13, doing that GT training that if you have teachers bring their love lesson, their favorite thing to teach, mm-hmm. it's the most, um, Convenient thing because they can pull it, they remember it, they know it inside and out. But then also, um, it's the easiest one to, for them to manipulate sometimes. Um, and so I say sometimes because you know it's your love lesson, you're passionate about it, you feel like it's the best one ever. Um, and then when you ask people to manipulate it, they're like. <laughs> But um, being able to manipulate it and go, okay, I just learned this new concept or this new idea or this new strategy. How can I apply that to the lesson I've already come up with? And so we did that with STEM training um, at the beginning of the school year. And so it was a training that uh, myself and our owner Lori put together. And so we talked long and hard about what is STEM, what is not STEM. Um, And go back through your lesson plans was one of the activities. And I want you to code everything. You're gonna highlight everything Yellow that is teacher directed. Go, and they had a few minutes. Now you're going to go back through and highlight everything in orange that is you know child centered, self you know um, they're being able to explore it on their own. Um, It's put out there for them to do on their own and not necessarily have you standing up there being the one giving the directions and talking about the things and telling them what's happening. And they went through and did that. And then we kind of looked at, you know, what is the balance? Are you, is your classroom very heavy on teacher directed or is it very heavy on child led? Um, and then for them to go back through and they did the same thing, but looked at those different activities and decided and specifically when they were looking at their lesson plans, I should say they were looking at their STEM activities at the time. Um, and then now how can you turn this into hands-on? And so they had a whole thing that they could fill out. Um, just a quick little table that they could fill out that was like, how can I turn this into hands-on if it was not already a hands-on or a more child involved activity? And then the third column for that thing for them to fill out was what help do I need? Do I need more training? Do I need more supplies? Do I need more time? Do I need my assistant to prep the things the morning of? Um, And they did that. my cute little chart. They did that for the whole year. Um, And so now this just sits with their planning things. And when they roll up on the next curriculum theme, they know what they need to do to change that to make it more hands on. And then also what support they said at the beginning of the year they need. Do I still need that or do I need to change something different? So as the director, giving them the tools and also I feel like the gift of time um, sometimes we go to these really great trainings and your brain absorbs so much and you furiously take notes and do all the things. And then you get back and it's just a binder that sits on the shelf or a folder that just sits on the shelf. And so really as directors trying to carve out time during that training, that was for them to apply what we just talked about. And I think that's really important. Um, and also for them to be able to collaborate with you know, you teach the fours class and I teach the four fives class. So what can we do together and collaborate and then have the twos and the twos, threes teachers collaborate together Um, because they also know what they're, you know, it'd be weird to have the fives and the twos collaborate uh, because they're not aware of, you know, my kids are still eating the glue versus my children know how to use the glue. Um, And that way uh, they're collaborating with their teammates in in an aspect. Mm
0: -hmm. Wonderful. So, Carrie, do you have anything you want Carly to kind of talk about as from a growth standpoint? Well, um, I was going to ask notes. a couple of, you know, how does this relate
2: to your communications with bringing on new hires or new families? How how much of a conversation is that in the hiring process and in the enrollment process? This hands-on um, science, technology, math, engineering.
1: Um. So, as a play-based school. Um, that is a big deal when we're talking to our parents about that as a tour and, in our information that we're handing out to everybody. Um, and we want to make sure that we come across, that's been the tricky part. Like when it's all in one building, it's, Oh, well, this is how we do it. And then all of a sudden now thinking it's just been Lori and I for so long, and now there's going to be someone else and Lori and I are different sides, but the same coin. And so now what's it going to be like when we have this new person who we haven't hired yet? um, And what are they going to say? And are they going to say the same things? And do they training them up, so to speak, to make sure that it's all consistent across both campuses? Because we are really going to our philosophy is the same. Our beliefs are the same. Our teaching strategies are the same. And so we want to make sure that this is just a second location of the same Mm -hmm. goodness. Um, And so I really think um, with growth, it's kind of scary and I'm a control freak. Um, And so (laughs) we're both trying to make sure that we put these things in writing so that it's something that someone can refer back to. Um, And when we're talking to parents, in ensuring them that, Hey, you know what, this is a new location. There's going to be new teachers here, but we just like we cross train here on campus. um, We are hoping to be able to cross train between the two locations so that we're all getting the same message. And for a while it will be Lori and I, um, and then whoever we
2: bring. I mean, that's what I did when I had multiple sites. Um, I loved having three schools I was able to hire two full-time substitutes because between three schools, somebody was going to need somebody every day. And if not, then I got somebody to help me with office work Uh, (laughs) and being able to basically have a mini conference. (laughs) Because if I was bringing all my staff together, you know, it's like 30 people we can bring in. Outside trainers and I could train stuff and my you know site directors could train stuff and it was great. We would have these little mini conferences and I miss that. Um I, I like mini conferences, I like conferences with a hundred or fewer people because with a lot of hands-on, I think they're a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: we're excited about it, we're we're nervous. Um, Lori and I have been doing this so long together that we can almost finish each other's sentences, and so when it's coming time now for the new school and their staff training, we want to make sure that we do that same quality and not just assume, oh well, it's the second location and everything's gonna run just like that. Uh, we're we're really trying to be intentional about the trainings that we plan and the community that we build between that staff as well as both locations staff. Yep. I think,
2: you know, it is a challenge, but I, I feel like you guys are up for it. Um, you know, you're not people who are afraid of training or hard work. Um, and it takes both. Like, I mean, I started from one school and I jumped to straight to three. So you're, you're being a little bit more sane than I was. Um, so there you go. You're, you're more sane than Carrie. Uh, and, you know, it's just a matter of, like you said, having stuff written down those standard operating procedures and, creating as much of a sense of camaraderie between the different campuses so that the two teachers who are teaching the same age at two different campuses go out to coffee um, and things like that so that mm-hmm. they get peers, but it's not peers they're going to gossip with because they don't see them every day. Right.
1: So it's going to be supportive peers. I think that it's like that whole um, vertical team or whatever we yeah. call it. Right. But um it also like so. This school new campus is supposed to open in February, and um, so that training will look a little bit different than our usual beginning of the year training. Just because these teachers here at my campus will still be chugging along, um, mm-hmm. so it will just be with that campus. Uh, but then in the fall, when we do our staff training again for the kickoff to the school year, um, we're we're really hoping to merge both campuses so that they can do that. Oh, you're the other Bumblebee teacher. Let's let's get together and talk about how you do XYZ. And we have a huge part of my deal at the when I was just doing curriculum here um, was to come up with a curriculum vault. And so by theme, we sort of have lots and lots and lots of things where if you were new to our campus and you're like, I don't know what to do for polar week, I can literally go here's everything we've done before and you're welcome to look through it and maybe it gives you some ideas. Um, and then also having, you know, like you said, finding time as the director to say, Hey, Carrie, why don't you and -and so-and-so go have coffee or let me schedule a time where someone can watch your class and the two of you can get together and really talk about those things together. It's different to have that employee director conversation, um, than it is when it's two staff members, two teachers really, getting in it and asking the things about the day to day.
2: Yeah. And, and when you're first setting that up, I would give them sort of marching orders, (laughs) So you know, goals and objectives. (laughs) So it's kind of, you know, you don't necessarily have an assessment, but it's two parts of a curriculum circle, right? We've got the goal. (laughs) We're giving them goals and (laughs) objectives. Then there's an activity. We're just not going to do the assessment, Okay, well, before we end up on a whole other
0: podcast topic. All right, I know. I'm just giving her a hint. <laughs> I think it would be a great podcast. I'd love to have Carly back probably in maybe May, um, because I think if we try to bring her back in February, she'll be like maybe a few more gray hairs and a lot yeah. less of what she's got. <laughs> <clears throat> But um, Carly, I loved hearing about your polar Mitts. Uh, thank you so much for sharing about just everything about going on in your program. And I loved listening to your examples on what the role the director can play. And I 100% agree with uh, giving that action-oriented time at a training and just your couple of little nuggets on being the director who does the staff training and some words of wisdom there as well so i already have some some a couple of uh some ideas of uh pulling you back in for some other uh, future episodes it's if bonding. you don't mind yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> it could be carly carrie kate Kate, Carly, Carrie, all the K's and C's. Uh, You know, I've done worse things. So as long (laughs) as people don't try to get me to save them too fast or too many times, we're okay. We're okay. So, um, yeah. And so if you've got anything that you'd like to share, um, please feel free to send those links over. We definitely want, um, links to your school and to your program. So make sure that you send them to us. So if you are listening to today's episode, You'll be able to find out more about Carly's programs. <laughs> in the show notes? <laughs> Both locations. Um, they'll be Yay! in the show notes. And um, we would love to have you guys go check out her program. And um, with that, if you guys have any questions, feel free to uh, drop us a note at uh Kate at Texas director or Carrie at Texas director. And we'll Carrie pass it missing on things. if it's a comment for Carly. <laughs> oh. And Carrie, and I miss some things. If
2: you want to see Carly interact with us, she's almost always on the Thursday afternoon trainings that we do on our Facebook page, <laughs> Conversations with Kate and Carrie at two o'clock central. Carly's almost always there. Or if she's not, she comes in at the very end and goes, I'm here, I'm late. <laughs> So, for car duty, I'm back. <laughs> so, Thank share so the much. show, and we look forward to seeing you again next week.
1: Thank you for listening to Child Care Conversations with Kate and Carrie. Want to learn more? Check out our website at texasdirector.org. And if you've learned anything today, leave us a comment below and share the show.